What's up, NBA fans? We are now one week away from the start of training camp from the day that we are recording this podcast, uh, September 21st, one week away from the start of training camp. Pretty excited. The offseason is winding down pretty quickly here um, as we get to as as we get to the start of the NBA season and preseason. But this episode, we're breaking down the Southwest Division, the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, the Spurs, Pelicans and Rockets. This is an interesting one because it feels like the outside of the Mavs, a lot of these teams are not very are very interesting and not the most predictable in terms of wins. They do have some things going for them, but they also have things that could very well go bad for them. Uh, but we'll be breaking down all of these. Uh, but Sean, initial thoughts on this Southwest division, because this is an interesting one. I think. Yeah, I mean, the Mavericks are always going to be an interesting team when you have Luka Doncic as your best player, one of the best young players in the league. But after that, there, there is a lot of question marks. Like you said, I mean, the Spurs got rid of their best player. The Pelicans made some strange moves. The Grizzlies <laughs> made a bunch of moves that seemed to amount to nothing. Uh, and the Rockets, man, they're gonna they're gonna be in for an interesting few years here. So I'm excited to break these all down. Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll talk about free agency moves and where we think each one of these teams will land for this upcoming year. But first, before we jump in, JJ Redick retires after 15 seasons, announcing that on his podcast and just letting everybody know that he, this man is a full time broadcaster <laughs> now, going all in. And I like his, I like the podcast he's got going. I listened to it today with Michael Porter Jr. on there and a lot of great conversations always coming in there, but we're talking about one of the guys, one of the better three point shooters of, of the last, of the last 15 years here. They're 41% as a three point shooter. Um, he's jumped around a couple teams and he was always one of those pieces that teams felt would be a great addition to add to their championship core. Um, he never really got that ring, but he did make it to he did make it make it to a bunch of really great playoff series. And of course, his days with Duke were also just as exciting. Sean, you as a Clipper fan, I'm sure you have a lot of fond JJ Redick memories. Oh yeah, for sure. I I love JJ Redick, man. That he was part of that whole Lob City experience. I mean, he right. wasn't the lobber and he wasn't the jammer, obviously, but he did he did all the <laughs> other stuff and. Uh, yeah, when he was with the Clippers back in 2015, 2016, he actually led the league in three-point shooting percentage at 47.5%. Uh, super impressive Yo. shooter, always has been. And it really seemed like he was one of those players that got a lot better with age, too. Because mm-hmm. I mean, he had arguably some of his best years with the Clippers after he got into onto their team. And then when we um, let him go over to the Philadelphia 76ers, it seemed like that's really, really found his groove at age 33, 34 years old with the 76ers. He had his highest career points per game on with, with the Sixers in the 2018-2019 season with 18.1 points a game. Uh, his shooting was a little worse than his average was there, but he was getting the looks and he was scoring at a level that he never did in his 20s, which is something that a lot of NBA players do not really experience is that really that lat that you know, late career push, you know, guys like JJ Redick, Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams, these guys are able to have their careers go all the way, like actually be a relevant NBA player deep into their thirties. So it's a pretty rare thing to see. And it, it is too bad. I mean, this, this guy, he's always been a great player, but he was never an all-star, never got that championship. 
but he's always just been a solid team piece and had had himself a great NBA career. And yeah, I think he's going to be definitely a player in the broadcasting game. Now he's able to do that full time and we'll, we'll see how much more effort he puts into that podcast and whatever other maybe NBA journalism stuff he'll do, but I'm sure he'll still have some presence in the league in one way or another. And yeah, I mean, he's a great player, man. All respect to him. Yeah. I, I got to think he probably could have still found a home this NBA season oh, sure. just because of how good of an NBA shooter he has been and is. And maybe he doesn't get much playing time. I think his year, his last year there in Dallas um, maybe wasn't the greatest. And I think he kind of had a falling out with the Pelicans in a bad way. But mm-hmm. all the years prior to that, your Orlando years, the Clipper years, the Philadelphia years, I think was a fantastic piece. And um, yeah. It's kind of feels kind of feels like I'm getting old saying goodbye to a guy right? like JJ Reddick because he's been there forever. It feels yeah, basically as long as we've been NBA fans, and I mean, yeah, this, this is gonna start happening more and more, man. I'm not ready for it. I'm not ready for these guys to start <laughs> retiring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, other big big news: Ben Simmons will not report to training camp. Coming straight out of the mouth from his. Uh, agent Rich Paul will not report to training camp and has no intentions of playing for the 76ers again. I mean, strong words and shocking, but not surprising. Uh, and we're already this late and still there's no movement. It seems for a trade to happen. Oh, uh, this is just <laughs> seems like such a strange situation. And it looks like we're headed for James Harden type situation to start the year off. But in in this case, James Harden is coming was coming off a year where his abilities weren't really being questioned. You knew exactly what you were getting. And in Ben Simmons, there's slight questions. Mm-hmm. And maybe there isn't really that one team that seems to be the best fit, whereas Harden had the nets that just seemed like the road was already paid for him to just go there. Whereas this with the Simmons situation, it seems like we could get a dark horse team that can step in at any time and really make a trade happen. Right. Yeah. It's, it's getting pretty dicey. And uh, I thought that Ben Simmons would still play for the team if he was on the team by this point in the season, but seems like that he has other intentions and this, this week's going to be very interesting. Cause like you said, we're a week away from training camp and that means they basically have a week to get a guy in, but if they want to, get some new pieces in and integrate them into their system while training camp's going on. Cause I feel like it's not very ideal if you have to trade a guy a few games into the season, kind of like what Houston had to do with James Harden. Maybe that's what has to happen. Cause it doesn't seem like Maury's willing to budge on any deal where he doesn't feel like it's very fair. But like you said, with the, with the question marks around Simmons game, it doesn't seem like they're going to get the value that they want from this guy. And I think a lot of teams are counting on them just kind of letting their guard down eventually and just being like, okay, we just need to get mm-hmm. rid of Ben Simmons and move on from this. And I think the team that's the front runner right now, at least from Vegas betting odds, which I didn't even <laughs> know you could bet on where guys are going to get traded to, but I can't say I'm surprised, <laughs> but the, the odds on betting favorite right now is the Timberwolves. And according mm-hmm. to Timberwolves camp, they're, they're waiting for the 76ers to get so fed up that they're willing to take a lesser deal to get Ben Simmons out of there so that they can get him without having to get rid of one of Towns Edwards or D'Angelo Russell, which would be pretty impressive if they're able to pull that off. That would be quite an impressive four in your starting lineup. So 
We'll see if, if the Timberwolves are able to make that work. I'm sure the 76ers wouldn't be thrilled about being fleeced in a deal for Ben Simmons, but man, at this point, this is a player's league, man, and this shows it. Ben Simmons is controlling the 76ers' future right now. Exactly, and if you're the 76ers, this isn't really a year you you're, you want to take no. off. Uh, I mean, you got a bunch of contracts you've committed to in this core you want to go all in and continue contending. And I mean, to, to, to go three weeks without, or two weeks without Ben Simmons, maybe at the end of the year is a difference between you having home court advantage in the Eastern conference finals or not, or in the second round in the East, in the Eastern playoffs. <laughs> so you, I don't know if you want to let this go on any further. I think you want to try to make a deal and hopefully you can get back a piece, a piece of value and, I mean, it'd be interesting to know how many teams out there are trying to bid e- outbid each other, or maybe not. I mean, can are the Warriors trying to stick their nose in here with the with the young pieces they yeah. have? Uh, is is there a dark horse team like the Sacramento <laughs> Kings that are willing to let go of? I mean, if I'm the Kings, I would take a swing at a guy like this. Why not? They're never going to show up in Sacramento and sign a free agency free agent contract. So. Would you give up Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heels for Ben Simmons? I'd be tempted to. Yes, I would be from the Kings. Like, would you feel like you're giving up too much? Do you feel like you could get him? No, I don't. (laughs) I think I'm getting, I'm thinking, I think that's a fair value with Buddy, Buddy Hugh and Halliburton. And and I got to think it didn't have to include another deal because for, for the, the big appealing point for a franchise like the Kings is you, you'll get Ben Simmons for four years this year and three more. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, that's a big deal for a franchise like the Kings. I mean, even like somebody like Chris Webber, their all-time player, didn't even want to be in Sacramento, <laughs> but he ended up liking it there. So maybe you can get Simmons and he ends up liking it there for those few years and Simmons and, and Fox can be a, a duo there. Yeah, I mean, even that, it's it's so hard because it's like, you don't know what Brent Simmons brings you at this point, you know, like what's his you motivation? Don't. Like, is he going to be committed to any team he goes to or only to a team he knows can contend for a championship or just a place he wants to live? There really is no, we haven't heard anything from Simmons camp about where he wants to go. Have we? I I haven't heard of any preferred destinations. There's the rumors he wants to, he, he has a preferred destination to go to California. So golden state or Sacramento golden state. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I guess I'm not either. sure Sacramento's <laughs> on that list, but <laughs> California, but not really. Yeah. yeah. I gotta think it's both the either LA teams or or Warriors. Yeah. I just uh, feel like the Clippers would sooner trade for John Wall than they would for Ben Simmons, interestingly, because I feel like Ben mm-hmm. Simmons is the better player. But yeah, I just don't I haven't heard anything about the Clippers even offering anything for, or being even in conversations with the Sixers about Ben Simmons. Yeah, I'm not sure they even have pieces to them would make that deal. You could trade them a bunch of garbage. I guess work. You could, you could trade them. Yeah, but like that's the thing is that you don't want garbage. Like they're not gonna take right. Luke Kennard, Marcus Morris, and like Zubak for Ben Simmons. You know. Yeah, they're gonna want Paul George. A yeah, deal centered around right, Paul and that's George. never happening. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, good luck. It's the same, and with the Lakers. <laughs> I don't even That's think it's even worth talking about. No. There's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I think the Lakers are Can't fine. I don't think happen. they're trying to get Ben Simmons, though. Yeah. 
If I'm the Kings, they should be going they should, for it. They should uh, go for it pretty PSA. hard. Yeah. They need something. Mm-hmm. That's just not working there. Like, Darren Fox is obviously mm-hmm. great. Halliburton looks like he can be great. But it's just not really moving anything for them. <laughs> yeah, you keep those core pieces and you just keep finishing ninth or 10th in, right. the, in the West. Yeah, or... it's like it gets you nowhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, staying in LA, the Clippers, new dome. They had the party. Mm-hmm unveiling the plans for their new stadium in Inglewood. <laughs> they got the wall that they're calling it. I'm not sure if you saw that. They have one side where the visiting bench will be, and there's very little sweet seats there, and I guess they're calling it the wall. <laughs> That'll just be filled with fans on that side with very little breaks. Like, you know, in terms of, like, looking through it, yeah. there's there won't be any sweet boxes yeah, on that side I didn't, of the stadium. Uh, I hadn't seen that, but that sounds pretty awesome. I, I'm pretty excited yeah. to see what that looks like in the in the final build of it. But yeah, the Intuit Dome. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are you into it? <laughs> uh, I think I think it sounds pretty cool. I think I got it. I got I've gotten so used to heading to Staples Center for a basketball game that it'll be interesting to not be in downtown right. for for a but game. Man, it's gonna be state of the art, dude. This this thing's gonna be mm-hmm. nice. You know Steve Bomber's gonna go all out to make this thing just like the best arena that's out there. It's gonna be the newest one. Right. The only thing I hope it doesn't it's not it's not like Oracle. Like I really liked Oracle the stadium, mm-hmm. but around it was there was nothing around it. I showed up hungry <laughs> for a Warriors game and I had to wait till I was inside to eat and drink something which you know obviously ended up being like a hot dog and overpriced beer (laughs) there was nothing to eat outside of it like a nice restaurant or a Hmm. decent restaurant you know so that's why i'm always so hesitant about these stadiums that are built outside of city centers Mm -hmm. but i mean obviously like la is such a sprawl that i'm sure development will will surround it yeah the worst part of oracle is the parking you know like there's like one exit for the whole damn place and you're waiting like an hour just get out of the parking lot and like who constructed this like how is this okay for such like a giant corporation to to build something so poorly they haven't fixed it at all so yeah i I hope parking's good i mean that's the thing about staples center it's right in downtown so it's busy Mm -hmm. maybe maybe this is much more accessible potentially I'm not really sure. I, I mean, it's, yeah, last time I was in Inglehood was when I went to the Great Western Forum in like 1998. So it's like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even remember what it was like there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only I think the last time I was around this neighborhood was uh, I went to an L.A. Galaxy game, which is the Sophie. The SoFi Stadium mm. is like just down the street from where this is going to okay. be. And not it was OK. Yeah. <laughs> it's like neighborhoods. Right. So. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see how the energy pops. Yeah. Once set, this, once this set opens to open up. in, what is that, three years? Three years' time? That's pretty quick to get such a large construction project going. There's housing communities in San Luis Obispo that take way longer than that. So, <laughs> 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 much, much less funding, yeah. I'm sure. But yeah, three years from yeah. now, we'll be into it. That's a, that's a interesting comparison. Yeah. It's going to say, yeah, here in San Francisco, sometimes it feels like, Paving the road takes yeah, more time I than know, that. right? Like there's like a roundabout project that they're doing on the road. I take the work that I have to now detour around and it's probably going to take half a year just to make a roundabout. And then they're making a whole damn stadium in three years. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, let's jump into it. The Southwest division. We got to start off with the maps. 
Luca led Ma Dallas Mavericks. Sean, you did this preview. What do we got going on with the Mavericks this yeah, year? Yeah, so nothing too exciting, I'll say, coming from Mavericks camp. I think maybe they m tried to make some moves per for Porzingis. Maybe not. That would have really been the big splash this offseason for the Mavericks, if anything. But they tried to make some moves to correct some mistakes from previous offseasons and bring in some guys that maybe can fill the roles a little bit better than what they were thinking. So starting with the additions, we have Moses Brown, center from OKC, who got traded to Boston and now mm -hmm. got traded to the Mavericks. We have Sterling Brown. We have Reggie Bullock and Frank Nielakina snuck his way onto this roster a few days ago. <laughs> so we, I think we were asking that, Very right? What nice. happened to Frank Nielakina? Well, here he is. Yeah. And uh, as departures, we have Josh Richardson over to the Celtics. We have uh, J.J. Redick, who we talked about, just retired, and then Nicolo Melli, um, those latter two guys that came over in that Pelicans trade that they really did for nothing because they didn't use any of these guys. And they had no draft picks, but they had a few extensions. They signed Luka to the Supermax. Well-deserved, obviously. Nice. Locked that in as soon mm -hmm. as they could. Tim Hardaway Jr. getting four years, $72 million. So his playoff performance definitely helped him with that contract there. And then, obviously, to keep Luca happy, you had to bring back Boban. So Bo Boban's back for another stint with the Mavs. And so your starting lineup looks exactly the same as last year. We're rolling it back with Doncic, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, Porzingis, and then Maxi Kleba at the center position. So hopefully just a little more chemistry build for the Mavericks. And I think that their most impactful offseason acquisition, and this is the person that I'm calling their X factor, is going to be Reggie Bullock. And I mean, this is a guy that I, I'm sure Lakers fans do not want to hear I about. Do not want to hear about because <laughs> he was that, what, two years ago, offseason acquisition, three years ago, offseason acquisition. Uh, or not offseason. He was a, he was a trade, trade deadline acquisition. Yeah. He was supposed to be traded a first round. Yeah, he was supposed to move the needle and be like, oh, this is the guy that's going to get us that little bit of extra push we need to be a contender. And he ended up being pretty garbage <laughs> from what I can remember. But he had a good mm -hmm. year with the Knicks last year. I mean, he was a 41% three point shooter, 90% from free throw, filled the starting small forward role for them for most of the year. And I mean, obviously we saw the Knicks had a lot of success last year and Bullock was, was a part of that. So I think what they're trying, I think what they're trying for with this is they're trying to correct the mistake that they made of acquiring Josh Richardson last off season. And they brought him in to be kind of that playmaker scorer, defender. He really didn't check any of the boxes they thought he was going to. And so now you're going to take a different swing at it here with Reggie Bullock um, who I think has a better shot of being that player because he's he's proven that he can do that. And he's he's been on a pretty hot streak in his career right now. Um, still not really, I think, that Seth Curry replacement that they're looking for. No. Uh, that's that's going to yeah. be a, a tough one for them to ever find a replacement for. But I think if Reggie Bullock can have a similar season than that what he had with the Knicks last year, I think the Mavericks are going to be pretty happy with the results. And I think it's going to definitely improve their win total um, because they, they do need a bench score i mean the, the starting lineup yeah. is solid but they they really need some depth on the bench someone that can create a shot someone that can score and i think reggie bullock can do that and we'll, we'll see if they can but as far as like the overall lineup goes they didn't really bring in anyone else exciting so i'm i'm going with a pretty even trend for them uh with, with the normal regular season here with 82 games i'm going to give them 47 wins 
Uh, they had 42 last year. So, uh, you know, no, nothing extra from what they did last year, but, you know, pretty modest. And I think the storyline to follow here for this team is, is Porzingis going to be a Maverick at the end of this season? I know there's a lot of question marks around that, but man, if he can't figure out how to be that second option behind Doncic effectively, I, I just don't see his future here with the Mavericks. I think Doncic himself is going to be pretty frustrated too. Yeah, I think, I think that's a fair assessment. 47 wins. I think I, I'd pencil them in around the same as well. I think this team is, is so interesting because it's pretty clear what their weakness point is. I think first they need some solid defense. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Moses Brown hopefully can Maybe. add that. They bring in some size and a young guy who's hungry mm -hmm. and he's on a value deal. So you can live with that. Uh, Reggie Bullock, another shooter, Josh Richardson, who just never was that score. They were hoping, um, you know, that Seth Curry was, and they were hoping he could be, and now he's off. But Reggie Bullock, I think, is a, is a good person to insert in. But I think that other second big weakness that they have is they just need a ball handler who can score and get some pressure off Luka. Uh, you would hope Tim Hardaway Jr. could be that. Jalen Brunson is a sort of nice piece to have that has been able to do that. But you'd hope that you could package some of these guys up and get a better, a better guy, sort of like a poor man CJ McCollin onto this roster to be right there next to next to Luca and just kind of offload some of that ball handling and scoring mm -hmm. because everything starts and ends with Luca on the offensive end. And, and man, this guy can do it and he can do it so well. But I think when it comes to playoff time and it comes to a whole series, it can get pretty tough for him to continue that load. Um, and Porzingis is just not helping out with that <laughs> at all. I mean, his, his numbers last playoffs were just not very good. And, He's committed onto this roster for at least two two more years, and then he's got a player option. So, can you package him up and trade and ship him and trade him for something better? It'll be it'll be a tough sell unless Porzingis can put together a, a a series of really good months to start this year, and then you know then the balls and the Mavericks court of whether they want to try to shop him shop him around with that. Yeah, and I know that Porzingis has been thrown around and like, oh, they could package him and someone else for Ben Simmons, you know. And it's just, uh, it just doesn't make sense. There's nothing. It doesn't make sense for yeah. either team. It, it, the only thing about it that makes sense is the contract part of it, really. And that both both mm -hmm. teams have unhappy players. But yeah, it's going to be interesting if, if they want to find him a new home. I, I think they're still hoping that he can be that mainstay guy behind Doncic. I mean, they've really bought into that kind of whole narrative, but... I mean, it doesn't seem like Doncic and Porzingis really, you know, hang out even, you know, like they don't seem <laughs> buddies. Uh, it just doesn't, it seems like they're teammates and nothing more, which it's hard to build a team around if, if the guys don't really like each other that much. So it's a lot of that yeah, off here's a, like, uh, like off the court chemistry that they need to work on. Right, exactly. Here's something. Porzingis, 20 points a game last year in the regular season. 13 points a game in the playoffs Oof. against that again in that Clippers series. Right. Oof. Pretty tough to close out a series like that. <laughs> yeah, pretty rough, man. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he just I, you could say the Clippers were as much a reason for that as anything, but yeah, I mean, true. He yeah, he's going to have to be better than 20 points a game though. Like that's not enough to be a second option on a contending team. I mean, you, you look at any mm -hmm. of these teams that are contenders like you know, you got Chris Middleton on the Bucks, who's way more than 20 point game shooter. You got the Nets who have like three 25 per game shooters. You got the Lakers who have, 
LeBron and AD, like you, you can't score 20 points a game and be the second option. That's just not enough. Right. Yeah. They're going to need, need a lot more. And I mean, they're bringing Tim Hardaway Jr. Back. He was a good piece. Mm-hmm. Jalen Brunson was a good piece. I'm just not sure that I see much development still happening from these two guys. So man, they're kind of just like in a, in trapped a little bit where this is the roster that they have. And yep. unless some of these guys can put something good together and they can use it to package up and justify bringing in somebody better, that would be an ideal situation, but it's tough to really come up with who that guy could right. be. I mean, <laughs> CJ McCollum, I would, I think CJ if on this roster get, would be if awesome. If they could get Bradley but, Beal somehow, that would be yeah. the dream scenario. He would be the perfect Donsich mm-hmm. counterpart. Yeah, I, I agree. But if Porzingis was just on maybe his last year, second to last year, <laughs> maybe yeah, they'd be in a yeah. better situation. But this year and two more, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Maybe close to the trade deadline, it becomes easier to move. Right. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, they're always going to be entertaining to watch. I mean, I <laughs> I thought Doncic was going to make a huge jump again this year. Uh, I was or last year, and I was wrong. And I, I hope that's this year because. Man, I, I really want to see this guy ascend to just an all-time great player. Yeah, he's such an interesting... I just don't really think he takes the regular season very serious. Yeah, um, oh, he always so, steps up in the playoffs, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, 27 points a game in the regular season last year. 35, Ooh. almost 36, yeah. basically, Right against that Clipper game. Clipper team, 40, 40% three-point shooting. And he shooting. has our number, obviously. Uh, We've never been able to stop him. <laughs> yeah, there's no stopping this guy. There's, it's only just him running out of steam and just are not finding, or his team, just teammates just not really stepping up. And I mean, a lot of these guys aren't really those go-to dudes. I mean, Tim Hardaway knocked down some good ones, but Perzingis was a no-show, and uh, it's tough to get them get more out of some of these dudes. So hopefully they can piece something together but moving from there got memphis unless you had any other things on dallas no no, that's all i got for dallas now we got the grizzlies the grid and grind (laughs) grizzlies uh top 10 defensive team last year a team that's slowly been getting better and better every year enough to where they finally made it into the playoffs and um got rid of that drought that they had over the last couple years uh in terms of additions they had they added steven adams and a bunch of guys who were also shipped out. And one of those guys is Rondo, yeah, right. Pat Beverly, uh, Dwight Howard at one point was on this roster during it. the off season. <laughs> yeah. But now he's not. So truly Steven Adams is the only addition. That's crazy. Departures is you lose Jonas, uh, Eric Bledsoe, another addition slash departure uh, for this team. Grayson Allen, um, Justin Wislow, you lose. And you can name, I can also add, Howard. <laughs> yeah, it's not uh, worth Rondo it. <laughs> again onto this list, I guess. Yeah. They drafted, they moved up to draft Zari, Zari Williams with the number 10 pick. Uh very much a project piece. Um, a six eight guard um who kind of is a little redundant compared to a lot of the guys they already have on his on this roster. So it we very well might not see much of him in the season. And if we do, it'll be sort of like a pretty incredible turnaround for this guy. I don't think much is really expected, especially considering the guys he'll have to play against for in terms of getting rotational minutes and Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, um, and uh, 
a lot of these other guys that they have on the on the roster. Uh, so don't really expect to see much coming out of him. But in terms of who's coming and who's going to be in the starting lineup, a lot of the core pieces are here. John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, a healthy Jaron Jackson Jr., mm. fingers crossed, and the big man from down under, <laughs> Steven Adams. So it's it's an interesting offseason in that they traded away their second best player, their second leading scorer, and Jonas, who had a truly career year, 17 points, 12 rebounds, played basically every single game and was a big reason why this team was ninth in defensive rating in the whole NBA. Mm. Uh, Steven Adams, I, I think, comes in and still gives you that that size and that shot blocking ability, but definitely the offensive side is not there. So you hope Jaron Jackson can pick some of that up. So in terms of X factor, this is such an interesting roster with so many young pieces. Uh, so many of these pieces, a little interchangeable. Uh, you got Brandon Clark who had an off year, uh, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, and a lot of these other guys who are good, but they're not potentially great, but they have potential to be good, great role players in the future, potentially. So really the X factor to me is the development of the two stars, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr. John Morant, who incredibly came out of the gates, not very, not very sharp in the regular season, but in the playoffs really upped his game to 30 points a game. And all this, despite shooting a career, uh, three-point percentage of 31%, which is pretty below average considering his position. Uh, so this is a guy who gets who also shoots 39% from three to 10 feet. Oof. So John Moran is strictly a strictly guy who can get to the rim. rim yeah. And, yeah, and he is elite at getting to the rim. Mm-hmm. So if this guy can just continue sharpening up his offensive ability, he can become that sort of very um, ideal uh, versatile score, very more Trey Young like, I think, who can really get to any points and, and score. Jaron Jackson Jr., 11 games last year, and he's now entering a contract year. Is he worth the extension? You know, it's, I think it's, a, it's an easy yes, but at the same time, hope is that Jaron Jackson Jr. can come in and continue what he did best, which is really um, block shots and be, be a defensive force, but hopefully he can refine his offensive game. A, a, a bit more like i mentioned they're a top 10 defense but they'll definitely need offense more offense from Moran and more offense from just the whole team they're 15th last year in points per game and if they want to be a legitimate playoff team they got to try to figure out where they're going to find some scoring mm-hmm. and to, go ahead oh, i mean i was just gonna say this is just it's such an odd construction of a team like mm-hmm. It seems like you have a lot of pieces that you've completed your rebuild. You should have completed your rebuild at this yeah. point. Like these guys should be at a level where you're like, okay, we can maybe start contending in the playoffs. But they just underperform. Like in the regular season, like yeah. I mean, obviously you had didn't have Jaron Jackson Jr. for most of the year, and that hurts a lot. But then you're like okay we're gonna bring him back and we're gonna run it back with all these guys because we have them all in contract but they make all these weird moves to get rid of their like you said their second best player for a worse player just to try to draft another guy with a lot of upside but not someone that can help you immediately i just i don't understand what their strategy is like I guess you could be being realistic and be like okay look like our guys aren't good enough to beat the lakers or the clippers or the nets so maybe we are still looking at 
you know, contending in three years. But you got to get tired of that eventually. And all these guys that you have for cheap right now aren't going to be cheap later. Like Dylan Brooks mm-hmm. is going to ask for a lot of money. Kyle Anderson's going to ask for a lot of money. Like you said, Jaron Jackson Jr. in his contractor, he's going to ask for a lot of money. You're not going to be able to afford all these guys in three years when you're like hoping that the Lakers and the Nets and the Clippers aren't as good anymore. It's like you have to try to win now, honestly. And Mm -hmm. everything they did made it seem like they're trying to win later. And I just I don't agree with that sentiment. I don't agree with it just doesn't seem very competitive to me. And the the product they're going to put on the floor is just it's going to be underwhelming. Just based off. Yeah, and this is. Yeah, they've really put themselves in a tough spot, but also a good spot. To, I guess depending <laughs> on which side of the coin you're looking at it. Overall, I think I have them. I have trending. I have them trending slightly down at 40 wins. So this is where I guess the optimistic side is. They have the 27th most expensive roster, so it's a it's a good team, and it's not expensive. But however, like you mentioned, Sean, there is like what is happening further down the road. Like event, you're not going to be able to sustain this. Eventually you're going to have to pay some of these guys mm-hmm. or, or continue to, or lose a couple more games. Uh, so they're in a spot right now where they, I do think they have tradable assets and contracts. You got guys on good deals who could be, who could be, who teams might may or may not want Jared Culver, Kyle Anderson, Steven Adams, Desmond Bain, Chris Stein, and package it, package any of these up with any of these young guys, and you got three first rounders next year. So, in terms of roster improvement, there is a door open there. I think in terms of trades, and they also have a ton of cap space, and they have some solid role player or some solid a solid core. I think in Moran mm-hmm. Jackson Jr. and I, and I'll, I'll I'll keep Brandon Clark in there. You know, he had an off year last year, but I'll still keep him in there. I think the real question here is. Does anybody want to join this team? <laughs> and it's tough because they could very easily see themselves at this 40 win, uh, you know, 35 to 45 win range for the next couple of years and have a hard time coming out of it. Unless somebody through free agency really jumps in and, and helps them, or they can figure out how to trade some of these, these very modest contracts that they right now have. But Again, that window will close at some point for sure for this franchise. Right, yeah. It's going to happen within the next few years because it's like you have the 27th most expensive roster now, but three years from Mm -hmm. now, these guys are going to be expensive and they're going to want to go somewhere else if you don't have a plan. And it's like, yeah, you want to say, yeah, sure, like John Morant's going to be our franchise guy for the next 10 years. But what if he's tired of being in Memphis and losing every year? Mm-hmm. And it's like you're not doing anything to put talent around him. You're actually taking talent away from him. You took you took away his pick and roll guy and Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah. And it's like, sure, I think Steven Adams is okay, but he's not an improvement. And yeah, no. it's like I just don't understand. You're taking home run hits with like Zaire Williams. And it's like he's not someone that can contribute now yeah prove to john morant that you're willing to make a contender around him not just be like semi-relevant for the next five years that's not what he wants so yeah Yeah. i don't know it's like yeah like all these guys like chris dunn is chris dunn on this team i don't even know (laughs) he's all over the place (laughs) yeah i forgot i didn't include him in additions but yeah him and jared Jared Culver Culver, like none of these guys are worth anything yet i mean they're like just prospective at this point they're like throw-ins and like you know when the clippers got chris paul 
it's like Montrez Harrell getting right. thrown into this. You know, it's a shot in the dark. And it's like guys like Desmond Bain, DeAnthony Melton, you know, the Brent, yeah, yeah, Brandon Melton. Clark, Xavier Tillman. Like, you can't have so many of these guys. You don't need that many of those guys, you know, because obviously we've seen mm-hmm. because they have so many of these, like, you know, young potential dudes. Xavier Tillman's taking all Brandon Clark's minutes. And Brandon Clark could be out there. He could have improved from last year. We'll never know because he never got any playing time. And so it's yeah. it's tough because they, they're not making the moves they need to make to like, you know, get towards becoming a contender. I, nothing they did to me said they're looking to improve their team. They're just, they're going to float around the 11th seed for the next two years at least at this point. <laughs> yeah i mean i'll I'll, i still got them at 40 so 50 you know half of their hat or like a little under 500 percent so or 500 so maybe they sneak into the playoffs but yeah i do see them the way they built their team it feels like they're 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 gonna be destined potentially for 35 to 45 wins Mm -hmm. uh for a long time unless Unless all of a sudden they uh, they join the free agency party and get a good player, get a couple <laughs> yeah, good players. Too. If they're like, even are going to be a big market any... team, it's so hard to get free yeah. agents to come here, even if you have the max money to give them. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we'll see. We'll see where this team goes. But other than that, I do expect a pretty big year from John Moran, considering he had a pretty somewhat modest start to it last year. Mm-hmm. So. He comes out of the gate a bit. I fully expect he should he should be thinking scoring title. Oh, yeah, he should be thinking. Yeah, he, he has to be guys. an all star this mm-hmm. year or next. He has to be an all star because yeah, this this dude is too talented. I mean, we saw it in the playoffs. He can he can turn it on, and so he just has to start doing that in the regular season for this team to actually become relevant. And he can definitely do it. And he, he's super entertaining to watch. I mean. You you love the high flying stuff, right? I mean, shooting is shooting, mm-hmm. but yeah, he he does all the cool stuff. So yeah, I I think he he can make definitely a big leap next year. He'll have the opportunity because there's no one else on this team that's gonna take it from him. Right. Cool. Yeah. Anything else for the Grizzlies? I think that's all I got for the Grizzlies. Right. Let's go to San Antonio and see what the Spurs this, got the for Spurs, us. The, the Spurs are are fizzling out, my dude. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I guess for, for your case, I'm happy to report that the Spurs have <laughs> officially fizzled out this, this was the off yep. season they just, they've lost it. They, they have no more of that Spurs identity anymore. This is, this is a new era for NBA basketball. The Spurs are no longer relevant. <laughs> took a long time, but it's only, it only took almost 20 years right. but it's finally yeah, here we made it which i don't know i don't know how i feel about it personally but man yeah going through the the moves they made i'm like yeah this is it they they've finally given up on on what could have been <laughs> but as far as additions go some very questionable ones at best oh. al faruk aminu the always injured zach collins they brought Bryn forbes back which I didn't even know he did that. <laughs> if I was the Bucks, I would have kept him. But and then Doug McDermott, who they signed to like a three-year, forty-two million dollar deal for some reason. And then they they got yeah, that was a surprise, <laughs> right? One. Yeah. And then uh, Thaddeus Young came over in the sign and trade for DeRozan, who was their main departure, Demar DeRozan. And then they lost Patty Mills, who's been a spur forever. Yeah, it's gonna be weird to see Patty Mills in that Nets jersey. And then Rudy Gay, mm-hmm. Rudy Gay too, another another Spurs stalwart. 
gone. And then along with Gorgie Dang and Trey Lyles. So this, this is quite a changing of the guard for the Spurs here. And then they, they have a very questionable draft pick. Uh, I think on draft night, this got a lot of controversy in, in picking Josh Primo at number 12. Um, very underdeveloped player with a lot of, I guess, raw talent. And we'll, we'll see. Maybe he can become something. He's going to have a lot of guys to leapfrog on this roster if he's going to do anything. Um, they have a very paltry re-signing with this guy, Keita Bates-Jop, who really cares <laughs> about that. <laughs> so, and you're rolling into the season. I mean, you're, you're starting uh, front court. You know, it's the same as last year. It's pretty good. DeJounte Murray, Derek White. Two very young players with good upside. I guess Derek White's not that young, but you know they're they're both pretty inexperienced, but have a lot of good potential. You got Keldon Johnson there still, along with unfortunately, I guess Doug McDermott fills that starting four spot for you, and then you got Jakob Pertle at the starting center. So really, not a lot of upside for this team, I gotta say. I mean, all the upside really does lie within their front court. I mean, DeJounta Murray showed that he can play. He, he is a very good player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he had a lot of good plays last year for them. Derek White, you know, he's okay. I, I think he has a lot of potential. I think Derek White's going to be the X factor for this team. He's going to have to match DeJounta Murray's improvements because last year when he came back off injury, this dude was trying to shoot his way back into shape, and man, he was not efficient. He shot 41% uh, on the year, 34% from three. Uh, this is a guy that should be known for his scoring, and clearly was not doing it in the fashion that he meant to. And so he has improved a lot since his rookie year. I mean, he averaged like three points a game his rookie year, and he's made steady improvement every year since. Now he's up to 15.4 points per game last year. So if he can stay healthy this year, have a full season, improve his efficiency, maybe get up to 18, 19 points a game, that's going to help this team a lot. Um, It's not going to be enough to make them a contender, but it's going to give them something to hope for. Because at this point, I'm looking up and down this roster, and DeJounta Murray is really the only guy that I feel has any hope of becoming like an all-star player in this league. And uh, you could you could argue like they have some younger guys that haven't had the chance yet, like uh, Devin Vassell, last year's draft pick lottery pick for them. Uh, jo- we'll see what the heck Josh Primo does. Uh, but other than that, they, there's really not a lot of upside here, man. I gotta say. So as, <laughs> as far as their records concerned, they're gonna be pretty down. And I have them at 31 wins. Because I believe in Greg Popovich to salvage a couple wins out of this season for them. But realistically, this could be one of the worst teams in the league. And I only say that because, I mean, you look at the Thunder, who are, like, supposed to be the worst team in the league this year. And Shea is better than anyone on the Spurs. (laughs) So you you have the Oklahoma City Thunder with a better player than anyone on your roster this could be very ugly for the Spurs. I think 31 is, is giving a lot of respect to Popovich, but realistically, this could be a 20-win team. Yikes. I think they can still put something together, be a well-coached team, and get to 30 right. wins. Yeah, Popovich gives them, them like 10 wins by himself. Like That's the respect I'm giving him. But, man, on paper, this is, this is a very sad team. I, I don't know if you feel like there's more potential... In any of the guys I listed, but I, I just don't no. see it. 
I didn't know that Alfredo Minu was still in the league, <laughs> and and the Doug McDermott signing was so, so questionable, interesting, and yeah, from day one, like commit that much. But I mean, I guess at this point, they really don't have much to lose, and I think maybe that was a signing to try to salvage something together and put a roster decent enough. But I think they struck out with a lot of other folks. Um, I mean, Zach Collins is a yeah. worth. I don't know what they were thinking giving Zach Collins a multi-year deal. Like this guy is he even gonna play this year? I don't think he is. It, no, dude, I don't I just, think so either. I don't understand wanting him at all. He hasn't even proved he's a good player in the league yet. Yeah, and Dejounte Murray is interesting. If it, I'm not entirely sure how high I think of this guy. Like it almost feels like he is like an up and coming guy who has the opportunity to be an all star, but. Other times it almost feels like we've already he's already reached uh, the best days of you know his peak mm-hmm. in terms of as a player. Yeah. Um, so he's an interesting one, and I think if there's a year for him to break out, it probably could be yeah. this one <laughs> as he's heading into 26, 26 years old now, heading into this year. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like, is there a hidden star on this team? No, <laughs> I think this team is headed yeah. into into in the direction they've somehow been avoiding and fighting back on and that's going towards a full rebuild mm-hmm. and going towards the lottery they haven't made a lottery or oh, they had a couple no, of lot- late lottery, late picks, lottery but, picks and they haven't like yeah i think the last three lottery picks have been lonnie walker the fourth devin vassell and now josh mm-hmm. primo and lonnie walker is basically non-existent on this team and so is devin vassell so they they need to get a, mm-hmm. a very high lottery pick these low lottery picks are basically worthless at this point. Yeah. And they've thrown these guys in and out of the rotation throughout the year last year. And none of them really stuck. I mean, DeJounte Murray was always the staple. Derek White, when he came back, had some bad games and Mm -hmm. maybe found his groove there towards the very end. But yeah, Vassell was out there. Uh, I saw a couple of Lonnie Walker stat lines (laughs) and they weren't always, I mean, he had one game, I think (laughs) he knocked down a bunch of consecutive shots, but I mean, that's all to say that this team just looks like a bunch of random pieces that uh, don't have to be together. Mm-hmm. And th- what this team really needs is needs to sw- figure out how to swap these and add more youth and more talent to this team. And I think the <laughs> the more immediate way to do that is just get get something else outside outside of just the number ten pick and beyond. Yeah. Get into the get into the early lottery. Yeah, which with uh, thirty one wins is going to be tough. Like that's like an eight or nine pick. You know, like. They're going to have to mm-hmm. fully commit to tanking, which, I mean, you know, when you have Greg Popovich, he's not, I don't think he's, he's ever had to tank before. I don't think he's, he has it in him to do it. I really don't. <laughs> yeah. And because of that, we might already have to start realistically thinking that this might be, we might be seeing the last days of Greg Popovich mm. as a head coach. Uh, we, we've Antonio thought about Spurs. it for like the last few years, but I mean, yeah, that's just, there's just no hope for this team, man. It's just nothing across the board. Just a lot of average, below average players. I mean, DeMar DeRozan was that last star they were clutching onto for a long time. And now mm-hmm. it's like, man, someone's going to have to really surprise us because I, I just don't think that, especially this year, DeJounta Murray, I could see him making a, a leap because his usage is going to go skyrocketing now. Like, yeah, no, but, who's taking but I don't think he's touches, good enough. You know, like, yeah. yeah. 
But I just don't think he, yeah, I think his usage will go up, but I don't think he's good enough to have for that to actually translate to wins. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, he's he can't score like DeRozan can. I mean, the only guy that can really score on the starting roster is Derek White. Derek White is a scorer, mm-hmm. but he's hasn't proved that he can be an efficient scorer, a high-volume scorer. Doug McDermott's just a three-point shooter, and that's all he's good for. Kellen Johnson's like a solid defender and rebounder, but he can't really score. Yeah, there's just no scores on this team, like across the board. <laughs> I mean, this this could easily be a team that averages under 100 points a game, which is in this in this day and age is like, what are you doing? <laughs> you can't score 100 points. That that would be that'd be catastrophic. That'd be quite the. I mean, it's very possible. It's not. To, it's, to yeah, think that it's, they could do it's that. not unheard of. I mean, the, I just don't know who's gonna do it. Like. Dejanta maybe gets 18 points. Derek White maybe gets up to 20 on the best year of his life. And then the rest of them get like 8 to 10, you know? That doesn't even get you close to 100. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yikes. Last year, <laughs> last year they, 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 they were 111th for 20th in the league. But yeah, but DeMar, DeMar DeRozan was scoring over 20 points a game. You know, yeah. So like, and, and I mean, Patty Mills was a scorer. Rudy Gay was good for like twelve a night. So, yeah, they, and they don't have any of those guys anymore. You like, yeah. Farouk Aminu gonna get you any points? It's like, Thaddeus Young is he gonna get you any points? Like, I don't know who's giving the points here. Yeah, when you break it down that way, they lost essentially roughly well, almost at 40 least points, at least forty, 40 points, points a night. There, yeah. <laughs> You make it up with, I mean, yeah, maybe maybe Doug McDermott's good for twelve. Maybe <laughs> Alfred Rukamina gets you three. I don't know. <laughs> you give ten more to. You give, well, you can give maybe, ten to Thaddeus I know, Young, I guess. I, I mean, Thaddeus Young, and you, you could put him in the same con- like conversation as Rudy Gay as far as point scoring. But nothing replaces DeRozan or Mills. Nothing. Hmm. That'll be a tough one, but, anyways. We'll move on from San Antonio, go to the Pelicans. Uh, usually we do this in order of like the best in division towards the worst, but some of these teams are kind of so questionable where they are. <laughs> the Pelicans, I think, are one of those mm-hmm. where they could easily be the second best team in this division. They could even come out the gates and be the mm-hmm. best. Well, that's that very unlikely. It, but crazy. <laughs> there's a... There's a tiny chance. Or they could be here where second worst. I don't think they could possibly be worse than the Rockets. <laughs> um or worse than the Spurs or, or Rockets. Yeah. But the Pelicans are interesting. They have essentially revamped their roster, hired a new coach and Willie Green fired Stan Van Gundy. They added Jonas, uh second best player from Memphis, had a career year. Devontae Graham, uh Thomas Stradanowski, Garrett Temple, Willie Hernan Gomez. And departures are Lonzo Ball, Eric Bledsoe, Steven Adams, and J.J. Redick comes out of retirement. Eric Bledsoe is a blessing that they got oh, yeah, rid of him, man. This guy time. was such a cog <laughs> on their offense. The sad part is they they don't try to keep Lonzo Ball. So a, a corner piece of that Anthony Davis trade already gone, and now you only have Hart and Brandon Ingram still to go with Josh Hart entering the last year of his contract. So... Interesting to see how what this team salvages. And I got to think that a piece of them wanted to see ball back. Uh, this was a team that averaged, that was top 10 in terms of pace. And a large part of that was the offense revolving around Lonzo and Zion when they were able to be 
on the court. But the outlook for this team is this: last year they had 19 gains in the 19 nationally televised mm. gains in the first half of the year of the season. <laughs> this year they only have 15 for the entire Oof. season. <laughs> so no hype. It, no hype now and it's sort of i think the nba has also taken a step back and everybody's kind of taken a step back in terms in terms of like what to really expect from this roster i mean they're the starting lineup that you have right now potentially is Devonte graham at guard alexander walker entering his third year in the league brandon ingram who was in and out of the lineup quite a bit last year zion and Jonas, Jonas, who had his best year, 17 and 12 last year. Zion obviously took a huge step forward mm-hmm. here. So in terms of like what the X factor is and what's going to save this team, it's Zion easily. <laughs> he's just, it's impossible not to say that. He's the meteor. He's, he's the moon. He's the sun of this. Everything revolves and has to revolve around him. I mean, this guy has the potential, I think, to be a top five player in the league and be an MVP finalist at some point. And I don't think that's really hyperbole looking at the way he closed his final 52 games, 28 points a game, four assists, 62% shooting. Um, this guy's shooting 70% at the basket. I mean, there's no one who can really stop him. He's essentially fourth in the league in free throw attempts just because he gets fouled so much. Cause once he catches the ball there, there's just no way to way to stop mm-hmm. him. Uh, and he's entering his third year in terms of, you know, he's entering his third year technically, but by, by the number of games he's actually played, he's, it's actually the equivalent of his yeah, second, going year, into so. second year. <laughs> yeah. So there's still so much growth here for Zion. And again, like I think easily he, he has potential to be a top five player player in, in the game, but I mean, he could take a big leap forward and sort of become a generational talent. Um, and if he can, he put that together next year, maybe not, but I think he, he still has a lot in him to take another step forward next year um, and carry this team beyond what seems to be the realistic expectation. Cause to me, I'm looking at this roster and I'm feeling 42 mm. wins. I'm feeling seventh, sixth seed potential, but you give Zion's if Zion becomes a top 10 player in this game and, takes a huge step the same way Luca did a couple of years ago, then yeah, then maybe we can be talking about the Pelicans potentially finishing um, fifth in in the conference wow. or fourth. That, that would be something, man. <laughs> that would be something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the Pelicans did have a very interesting off season. I would be very hopeful for their outlook for this season. Just if they were able to re-sign Lonzo Ball. And I just, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, that's a huge one. Yeah, I don't understand how they weren't able to because this starting lineup with Lonzo Ball in there instead of Devontae Graham looks so much better. Like, mm-hmm. I know Devontae Graham had that amazing year two years ago where he just broke out and you're like, where did this guy come from? He's awesome. Really took a step back last year when LaMelo Ball came on the scene and now you bring him in to replace Lonzo. I just don't, he's just, not as good, I think, as we made him out to be two years ago because he's not, he's an, a very, yeah. very inefficient scorer and he's not really mm-hmm. an assist guy. And you, you yep. need the guy that can get Zion the ball in the right spots. And I don't think Devontae Graham can do that. I don't think Tomas Sadoransky can do that. I don't think Garrett Temple can do that. I don't know who can do that. Maybe Kyra Lewis can do that for this team. Kyra mm-hmm. Lewis was, was their lottery pick 
uh, not this last year, but the year before. And he really, I think, is the most true point guard on this team. And I could see him taking over Devontae Graham's role in the starting lineup at some point. And I, I, I'm, I'm going to call you on. I think you copped out a little bit on your X factor here, Alan. I think Zion as an <laughs> X factor is a little too easy. So I'm actually going to, I'm, if I were looking at this Pelicans team, I would give it to Nikhil Alexander Walker. Yeah, I, I, I was tempted to, but I, I just haven't seen enough to actually think he can take a big leap forward. So to me, I think, I look at it like who who whose leap forward will actually result in more wins. And I think Zion taking even one small step will result in a couple more wins. Whereas Alexander Walker, I just don't well, see I think him. if Alexander Walker takes the leap, he could make a lot more wins for this team because they've relied exclusively on Ingram and Zion for offense. But when when mm-hmm. Alexander Walker was able to come in when Bledsoe got hurt, he put up some pretty good numbers for this team, not just in scoring. But he was rebounding. He was assisting. I think this is a hidden gem that the Pelicans, if they give him the opportunity, could unleash on the league. I have pretty high aspirations for Alexander Walker. I think he's he's going to be a lot this year. A lot more than people give him credit for. Mm, interesting. I feel like we always see somewhat close on all these young prospects. But I don't see it in this guy. I'm really? not super high on Alexander guy. Walker. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got the game, man. I I think this kid is... I mean, obviously, he's not going to get a super high usage, right? I mean, Ingram and Zion are mm-hmm. going to take at least over half the shots every game. But the shots that Alexander Walker does get, I mean, he's going to still have more opportunity than he got last year because he, he was really like, you know, sixth, seventh guy off the bench. Um, so now I think he's going to be in a starting role, actually be able to get some good playing time. I think it's going to do wonders for his game. Yeah. And maybe the Pelicans thought the same. I mean, Alexander Walker was taking some of those minutes when Lonzo was out. So I wonder if they feel somewhat the same that Alexander Walker can add a little bit of what I don't think he can completely replace Lonzo, Lonzo. but maybe he adds, but maybe he adds a different degree to or a different side of what this lineup could look like with him as opposed to Lonzo. And I think it's fair maybe that Walker to think that Walker Graham, the combination of Graham Walker and Ingram could replace Lonzo. But back to the point on Lonzo, it's just, that was such a disappointing thing to let them walk away. Just because when you look at the team, they were ninth in pace. That's when they scored the best. They scored the most efficient. They were terrible in the half court. um, Unless it was Zion bailing them out. But when it was Lonzo and Zion in the open court, I think that was that was when this team was at their best. And to lose that, I think, is is huge for this team. And maybe they feel like Ingram can be sort of that that guy who can push the ball and Walker, Osol, and Graham, the combination of these three. But when it was Lonzo and Zion, I think that was like the better side of the Pelicans. What that was the best I saw the Pelicans mm-hmm. last year. Right. Yeah, that's gonna be very tough to replicate without a player like Lonzo. And man, I just need to mention they totally fleece the Grizzlies in this trade. I mm-hmm. mean, they were able to get rid of two guys who like I would not want on contract. I would not want Eric Bledsoe for two years, uh, eighteen million a year. Well, which is ironic because the Clippers now have him for that amount. <laughs> and then Stephen right. Adams, who you're like, he's good, but like, is he a difference maker? 
you're able to upgrade him up to Jonas Valanciunas just for swapping a first round draft pick. I mean, that's a bargain. And you get out of those two big contracts, get in a, a much more skilled player. Yeah, that that was a fantastic trade for them. So, man, this would have been a huge win of an offseason for them if they just resigned Lonzo instead of got Devontae Graham. It would have been so good. I would have given them like 46 wins this year, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or you got to think that maybe in, a, in another world, they keep both those guys. They can get both. They keep Lonzo and get Graham, have him come off the yeah, bench. Which is fine. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I, I think, I think you have to give Alexander Walker the shot and you think you have to give Kyra Lewis a shot at some point. So I'm not upset. Like, that they that they get more opportunity but yeah if they had lonzo and graham you wouldn't see kyra lewis at all i think kyra lewis mm-hmm. he has a lot of hidden potential too so I, i'd like to see him play a little bit more in that starting lineup but uh, maybe if Devonte graham starts shooting 30 percent from the field again we'll, we'll see him sooner rather than later yeah you're high on these Pel- i these I young am pretty pelican high guys. on these young pelican guys i think that yeah they they got some good ones there it, yeah, it, it's just, you know, a matter of opportunity, right? If Devontae Graham doesn't mm-hmm. work out, we'll get to see if I'm right. But if not, we might never see if Kyra Lewis is a good player or not. <laughs> yeah, maybe he'll end up on another roster somewhere um, in a couple of years if it never works out here. But yeah, last but not least, we got the Houston oh, they're Rockets. Least. They're definitely least. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on with the Houston Rockets I mean, here, Sean? What's the outlook? A lot of a lot of interesting things this offseason. Some good, some I don't really understand why. Now, this first one, I really don't understand. Well, why did you trade for Daniel Tice and then sign him to like a four year deal? Like what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't four years, thirty six million for Daniel Tice on a roster where so they drafted Jalen Green at number two, sure, but then you have Alperin Sengun at 16 and Usman Garuba at 23. And you're gonna play Daniel Tice over both these guys you drafted in the first round. I don't understand that at all, but maybe they're just maybe Tice is better than I think that he is. I don't think he's very good. But anyway, uh you also draft Josh Christopher at number 24. I'm not sure if this guy's even gonna play on the roster. Um, departures, you don't lose anyone that important. Avery Bradley, Sterling Brown, Kelly Olynyk, And so you also resign a bunch of people who aren't that important either. You set, resign this guy, Armani Brooks, uh, Dante Exum, but uh, you got one really good player in David Nwaba. You get him on a three year 15. <laughs> that's a bargain right there. This guy difference maker right there. I, th- I think he's going to do great things, obviously. And so your projected starting lineup interestingly because we talked about this last week john wall does not plan on playing for this team you're putting kevin porter jr in at the starting point guard just like he was when wall was hurt last year so you're 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 getting your youth movement development early with kevin porter jr and jalen green as your starting front court with jay sean tate daniel tyson christian wood as your probable starting backcourt which it's very interesting to me because i feel like daniel tice and christian wood are just they're both centers you know and and i don't really know who else you'd put in over tice in the starting lineup though so it's it's a little bit tricky and maybe they just have to end up going small and you play jay sean chate at the four but as constructed i mean this this feels like what they're gonna start the year with i feel at some point they're gonna have to move jay sean tate to the four maybe move like a guy like Kenyon Martin Jr. up into the three because Kenyon Martin Jr. 
that he dude had, a good had year. some really good games. I mean, obviously they're garbage time and you know they're tanking, I'm but I, I yeah, he, I'm surprised he doesn't get named called a lot. I more. know he had a good yeah, one. He really did, and I don't. Maybe they just <laughs> think that it was a matter of you know happenstance where oh we, we were sucking anyway, the teams weren't trying that hard against us because we weren't that hard to beat, so he just put up good numbers because of that. But I. I don't know. I think they should give this kid more of a chance. I, I think that he's very explosive. He puts up some good defensive numbers too. And I mean, he's got the name value. You got Kennedy Martin Jr., man. I mean, <laughs> mm-hmm. so I, I think he could be great. But ultimately, the X factor has to come down to Kevin Porter Jr. Because I mean, this is this is the guy they took a risk on at the trade deadline last year. I mean, you could call it a risk, but they basically got him for nothing. And yeah, yep. they took a gamble on him, brought him onto the team, gave him the minutes, and he produced. I and mean, he, he had a very productive uh, string of games there for them. Right? He he got a fifty piece, I think, one night. I think he scored fifty points one night. It was insane. Um, that doesn't happen every night, obviously. I mean, he's only he was only forty two percent shooting for the year, uh, but he's proven that he can be a playmaker. Average six point three assists per game in his games with Houston last year. And I mean, that, a lot of that was without Christian Wood. And so you have a guy like Christian Wood that you can throw to down low, play pick and roll. You have a guy like Jalen Green now who is just a true scorer that you can really play off of. I think Kevin Porter Jr. could become a really good point guard and he could get those assist numbers up to eight or nine a game. And he won't have to be relied on as much on the offensive side because you have a guy like Jalen Green that you can shoulder the load onto. I could see a pretty big year ahead for Kevin Porter Jr. And he already had a lot of hype when he was playing for them last season. I think that could definitely continue into this season. And obviously, I I don't think that this is going to translate to any playoff contention or even a 10th seed contention. I mean, the rest of the talent outside of those three guys is is paltry at best. And I, I, Jason Tate's just average. Daniel Tice is very average. I mean, you, you got a lot of rookies that you drafted in the first round that aren't anything yet. And so, I mean, I'll give them slightly up because they tanked so hard last year. It's hard to get even lower than that. I'll give them 24 wins this year, but this is for sure a rebuilding year for this team. But it's intriguing when you have a team that is projected for so few wins, but feel like it's going to be exciting to watch them play. Yeah, I think the Rockets are essentially where I think the Memphis Grizzlies are sort of uh, missing or wish they probably mm-hmm. were uh, in, in the way that the Rockets, I think, have a lot of good pieces now. They have and they got there so quickly <laughs> uh, and Christian Wood, Porter Jr., uh, Kenya Martin Jr. looks looks mm-hmm. nice, too. I think where the argument is that the usage was a result of why he did so well or because his game is real. I think we'll find that out this year. But I think Jalen Green is also a fantastic piece. I think he's going to be a great player in this league. So those three pieces, I think, are are really are really good. And the fact that they were able to put those together so quickly is, um, is so impressive for this franchise. And I think part of it is because they took that gamble and made that trade for Porter Jr. And, and he's working out for them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that Memphis is missing to, to get to another piece with John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. But all signs on the Rockets. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to predict this team. I was just looking at their roster from last year. They had 30 different guys <laughs> on their roster at some point last year. There's so many 
Yeah, there were so many phases of this team. Like the 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 consistent was Christian Wood, mm-hmm. but it was like Christian Wood, John Wall, PJ Tucker phase. Right. Christian Wood goes down. <laughs> and then you just had a bunch of random guys out there. And then you got Kevin Porter Jr.'s ascension. Uh, and then Christian Wood comes back, and then Kelly Olenek is there. Right. <laughs> and, you know, Kevin Porter Jr. And, that, and those guys are taking a ton of usage. And then Kelly Olenek comes in, takes up a bit there. So it was really hard to get a gauge over how good all of these guys could be. But I think, I think I'm think i willing to say, I'm willing to bet that these dudes are going to be good pieces, and this Rockets team will be back in the playoffs in no time. Wow. Not this year, but... In, in no time. I think in two years, yeah, so I can see them you back You really in the believe in these young guys, huh? You, you think the potential like, is there? I like Porter Jr. and I like Christian Wood. Yeah. Uh, and I like Jalen Green. Christian Wood, I think, towards the beginning of the year, that first month and a half, it looked like he could have been on his way to being an all-star. Yeah, he's going like, what, like uh, 25 he was and 20. 12? I was like, his averages for the first 20 games. Yeah, he was going 25 and 12. He was shooting 50% from the field and he was shooting close to 40% from three. So Yeah, that's pretty that's near, like all-star level right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think if he can just keep it together and keep himself healthy and and uh and you know put some close production close to that for the rest of the year and get some wins, that'd be crazy mm-hmm. if he's like right there to be an all-star. I don't see it this year, but potentially next year. Um, but yeah, I like this team and I think to me, I, I'm really excited to see how they put it together. I'm high on Porter Jr., Green, and and Wood. Yeah, and I, man, this is just going to be so much of a more enjoyable year for Steven Silas, the head coach. Went through so mm-hmm. much just animosity last year, trying to get the James Harden stuff figured out in the beginning of the year. Your best player, after he leaves, goes down in Christian Wood, and then you're basically told to just pick up the scraps. Um, so now you, you right. come into this year, you know, you're a second year head coach. Now you don't have the same expectations as you had last year. And now you can just kind of go with it and you, no one's going to like have a, no one has a target on your back and you can just go through the motions, coach the team, how you want it to be coached and, and hopefully develop a lot of these guys that, that we're talking about. Are just, they're going to be really exciting to watch. And I, yeah, I think we might see more from the Rockets sooner rather than later. Kind of like what you're saying. I think they could really surprise some people soon. Yeah. I think to to close the Rockets off, I like your storyline to follow. Yeah. Is John Wall. <laughs> Can this team actually move this? They would have to pull off a miracle. Enormous contract. <laughs> $44 million. Yeah. I tried to make this work in the NBA trade machine in a lot of different ways that were like, at least realistic for like even three team trades of like what people would want in return for taking on John Wall's contract without the Rockets having to give up draft picks, which they have stated they don't want to do. And it just doesn't Mm -hmm. seem possible. So if they can somehow pull off the John Wall trade, man, kudos to them. But until then, like, I, I guess it's a mute point, but if they do able to make it work, what are they getting back and how is it going to affect this team? I, I think it's going to be interesting how they, they integrate new pieces and if they get anything useful from him. Yeah. I think at this point, the franchise is probably not even trying to get anything back. I don't know. <laughs> like what would you get back? Like what? It just seems like it would just be trying to get rid of this dead money. And I also don't see buy a buyout yeah. happening here. John Wall is not going to, sacrifice 40 yeah, I think, million I think dollars he's fine i don't see the rockets yeah, stretching 90 those. million over the next two years i think he's fine doing that so yeah i don't know man 
uh, the Clippers. We talked about the Clippers last week, potential team. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, I really have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's it's seems like craziness to try to put something together around <laughs> that around that dollar. But we'll see. John Wall, we might have. We might have just seen the last of John Wall. We might not see him again for another That's couple. That's really sad, man. Another... I feel like he's just going to waste <laughs> his career away. And he he's shown he can still play. He still can get 20 points mm-hmm. a game. That's enough to, for me to yeah. want to watch him play. Yeah. He just needs to suit yeah. up. Let's see, let's see what happens. Um, final thoughts, closing the podcast off. ESPN does their annual rankings of the top 100 players. They release each in phases and... Recently, they put out numbers 100 to number 51. Um, the biggest surprises here, Sean, I think I had, uh, I called, jo- I think we both called out Joe Ingles <laughs> at 62, D'Angelo Russell at 63. Joe Ingles, surprising that he even was ranked. There are <laughs> players in the NBA that don't even get, ESPN doesn't even bother to rank. And I think Joe, yeah, I think we were both like, isn't Joe Ingles would be one of those guys. Oh, yeah, for sure. I just, I don't know. Maybe I've disrespected the jazz as a whole, like for the last three (laughs) or four years, but I just don't see how you can justify Joe Ingles being a top 60 player. You know, I I just, he's not that good. He's a good three point shooter. (laughs) He's a decent defender. Other than that, I don't really get it. You know, like they're just valuing the shooting so much and to a fault in this case because i would rather have like 20 of the dudes behind him at least maybe more and some guys that probably weren't even ranked than joe ingles i i don't i i would say he's like nine if he was like 90th i'd be like okay you know that's okay 62 like that just puts him in like the upper half of starters in the league right that's just that's just Mm -hmm. not okay that's way too high (laughs) Yeah, so he's ranked almost the same as he's ranked higher than D'Angelo Russell. I mean, I guess the point there is Russell was out for most of the year, but DeJounte Murray played and DeJounte Murray's 83. I would I take way DeJounte rather Murray. Have DeJounte Murray. Murray. <laughs> That's insane. I'd way rather have Carice Levert. I'd way rather have a lot of players. Um, but I think the most mm-hmm. egregiously bad ranking had to be Laurie Markinen even making the list at 82. <laughs> what did Laurie Markinen do last year to show you that he's a top 100 player, let alone even like a top 150 player? Like he is not gonna, he's not deserving of a starting position in this league. He's only gotten worse since his rookie year. And he's not even going to start for the Cleveland Cavaliers who are one yeah. of the worst teams in the league. I just don't understand how you can, put this guy where you did I, like must have some bulls homers or some calves homers perhaps i don't i don't know the, <laughs> i think there's an element of potential maybe <sighs> the potential has gone man he squandered <laughs> it i just i don't see it anymore i really don't and it's just yeah. that's a lot of potential you're banking on a lot of potential for him to get up into the top 80 you know like that's that's asking for a lot he'd have to get become a 20 plus per game shooter again he'd have to shoot 40 percent from the three for me to consider him a top 80 player <laughs> okay i can that's fair uh here's another point who is most likely to overplay their position here are the candidates anthony edwards at 52 christian wood at 60 carice lever at 80 dejounte murray at 83 i think these were the four guys we picked out mm. i think we all agree 
Anthony Edwards, Anthony right? Edwards. Or is there someone you take? So it's like I actually think the Anthony Edwards ranking is is a lot better than some of the other ones. Fifty two is is respectable, you know. Like they're giving mm-hmm. him some good respect because he clearly wasn't the fifty second best player last year. He was definitely not as good as as that. I'm actually gonna have to go with Karis LeVert at eighty. Oh, interesting. I, I guess that's an easier it, one I mean, to, it's just to, so low to move up for from. him. I mean, yeah. we've seen what Karis LeVert can do when he's the guy on his team. Like, he brought the Nets mm-hmm. to the playoffs almost single-handedly with some help from Spencer Dinwiddie, but he was the guy on the team. So this is a guy that can clearly just be a number one option, or he can be a number three option. He can be your sixth man. He's just so versatile, and, you know, he just had that you know, health condition last year that held him out and now he's healthy. And so I don't, I don't know what's, what could possibly hold him back from having a great season. I think he could easily be in the top 60. Yeah. And I think the story might be the same. Well, not to say never mind, but DeJounte Murray at 83. Oh, for sure. He could mm-hmm. easily climb that because he's yeah, going to no be <laughs> the number one option. Yeah. The most talented guy by far on that Spurs roster. So in terms of production wise, he could easily outplay that mm-hmm. 83. 100%. Uh, I think one of the harder ones, Christian Wood, 60. I think it's fair considering fair, yeah. he missed a good chunk of last year and there's still question marks around what this Rockets team will look like and where he ultimately fits in, whether he's the first or second option. But I think he's going to stick around, man. And I think the the question of if, he, if he's the first or second offensive option on the Rockets will go back and forth. Mm-hmm. But regardless, I think he can still crack the top 45. Yeah. Uh, I could see this guy moving a couple more than a couple spots up. Oh, yeah, list. for sure. And I mean, obviously, you know, you know, my love for Anthony Edwards. Let's see him be a top yeah. 30 player this year, man. Uh, I want to see top, top 30. 30 is tough. Oh, it's tough. But this dude's up for the That's challenge. That's Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Devin Booker this territory. This dude's up for the challenge, man. I want to see it. <laughs> that'll be exciting all right well there you have it thanks everybody for tuning in that was the southwest division uh we'll continue our division previews i think we only have like two two more more to go at this Mm -hmm. point all right well we'll continue breaking those down all the way up until the start of the nba season so thanks everybody for tuning in sir have a good week everyone